0: I have the big girl mic tonight, so praise God for that. It's just easier, because I'm Italian, my hands like to move when I start talking. so I'm glad for hands-free, praise the Lord. Okay, so we, like Cindy said, this, this season that we're teaching the wisdom keys to healing are huge, and like Cindy said, it's a huge blessing. I have just been so blessed listening and Hearing and res- continue to receive myself um, because yeah, there's been some new stuff, but it's stuff I've heard. But it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's how faith comes. That's, right. That's how faith stays. That's how faith is strengthened. Yeah. That's what we need is to continually hear, even if it's the same thing. Doesn't matter. If you see me, I just uh-huh. I try not to get too loud, no. but. <laughs> But maybe that's distractful. But I do, like, you know, you hear Cindy talking or some, you know, Tom or whatever, your spirit just starts getting excited because it's truth. It's truth. So you see me do this a lot? <laughs> it's ministering to me. So praise God for that. Well, tonight, um, the message that Cindy had asked me to share, and it goes along with um, what we're studying, but it's not actually part of the book. Um, but it's something that I have taught on before. So those of you who've been here for a while, you probably have heard it, but I think the Lord's kind of given a little bit deeper revelation even uh, for me. So um, so hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. But the title, um, and does everybody have the note sheet or the handout sheet? Because there were some back on that table there. But the message um, is called Unbelief the enemy of faith. And I know that in, well, almost anywhere, you hear that scripture, Romans ten seventeen about faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And that's true. When we hear the truth of God's word, it does inspire, stir up our faith that's on the inside of us. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, We have the same spirit of faith according as it has written, I believed, therefore I have spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. So what that's telling us is that we have the same spirit of faith that Jesus did. We are a spirit, and God's word is spirit and truth they go together that's why when you hear God's truth it should excite you it should encourage you it should bless you it should strengthen you when you start hearing the truth of God's Word when you hear who our God is and how awesome he is when you hear how much you're loved when you hear what Jesus has already done for you when you hear the message of grace. When you hear all of these things, God's promises for his children, that gets you excited. That's why we meet like this, because you want to hear what God has to say, because you're a believer. We focus a lot on faith, and faith is important. Faith is what allows us to grab a hold of God's promises. It brings it to this physical world. It reaches in the spirit realm and brings it here. So faith is very, very important. So when we get all excited, we feel it in our spirit stirring When we hear the good news, that's faith, folks. You have faith. Don't ever doubt that you don't have faith or that you don't have enough faith. But we need to feed faith with the right stuff, just like our physical bodies. You eat junk, okay, you reap the benefits of junk. When you hear God's word, that's not junk, That's healthy food to sustain us and to grow us and to make us very healthy. So when we hear all of these things and we have that faith that gets stirred up and excited about what's being taught, about what's being said, that's the same spirit of faith that God is talking about. It's his faith. And not only do we have it, when it starts getting all excited, it's going to rise up within us and we're going to start speaking it. We're going to be speaking in agreement with God. That's how you know your faith is encouraged and is strong. But you had to have something in order for that to get stirred up. So you do have faith and you do have the right kind of faith. So, There's nothing wrong with the faith that you have on the inside of you. So what's the problem? Why do we struggle sometimes to receive what God has for us? It's something that is not talked about enough in the church for us to understand the differences and its unbelief unbelief will negate or make your faith ineffective. And most of us aren't taught that and we don't understand that. We're just all focused on faith. And I want to tell you something. You can have faith and still have unbelief. They can be there at the same time. And the reason being is because you do have faith, Because you are a believer, you have received Jesus Christ, you have a new spirit on the inside of you, you have the faith there, but unbelief will come in, so you're going to say, I believe God can. There's nothing impossible for God. You know that. That's because that faith, the spirit of God, the new created spirit on the inside of you knows that. But your flesh comes up with the unbelief. Yeah, I know God can, but what about the doctor's report? But what about how I feel? But somebody told me that they knew of somebody These are all things that are going to get your eyes off of God's word and unbelief is going to be more prevalent than the strength of your faith. It's going to push faith down because you're entertaining or thinking thoughts that don't match up with God. When people get prayed for, when they don't receive immediately, many times than not, they will think, well, I probably just didn't have enough faith. That's a lie of the enemy. There's nothing wrong with your faith. Nothing wrong with your faith. So let's go to the Word. Um, let's go to Matthew 17, 20, and let's, let's see what Jesus says is the problem. Because what I'm saying is going to match up with what Jesus says. Now, just set this up because we're at the tail end, okay, of this account that Jesus is talking to. And the disciples tried to cast out a demon of a little boy, and it didn't happen, and Jesus had to do it. And the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out that demon? This is what Jesus' answer was. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, For assuredly, assuredly, he's telling you this is a sure thing. You can bank on what I'm going to tell you next. I tell you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, that's pretty little, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So Jesus didn't tell the disciples it was because you didn't have enough faith. He said it was unbelief. Unbelief is a real issue in our everyday life. And we need to find out what the root of that is. Now I want to share something. There's a difference between unbelief and disbelief. And I think sometimes we get that confused because I've ministered to people, and they're like, Fran, I think I believe. I believe that God can. I just don't understand why it's not happening for me. That's unbelief. Disbelief is, the actual definition is, inability or refusal to accept something that is real or true. So none of us here tonight disbelieves god but unbelief tries to sneak its way in because it wants to get you away from what god's word says and it also unbelief actually i looked that up that word up today and one of the definitions is distrust Now, I don't think we would say that, like you distrust God. But if you think about it, there's something there that is holding you back. And that's what's allowing that unbelief to kind of linger, to keep resurfacing. And you can even call that it's, it's actually a hardness of heart. The definition for hardness of heart is insensitive to. So the disciples, when they prayed for this little boy, they were more sure about the outward manifestations of this little boy, which was going contrary to what they were believing for. There's another account in Mark that talks about the same little boy that he foams in the mouth, that he throws himself on the floor. Sometimes he throws himself in the fire. Sometimes he throws himself. So he has major outward manifestations of this illness. So we can get caught up in what it looks like. And we're not sensitive to what God says. It's an unbelief that comes from a hardened heart that we are more sensitive to what we see than what we believe. So you can have both at the same time. But where you put your faith in God's word or what it looks like, what it feels like, your five senses is going to determine if you are in faith or if you're in unbelief. So we need to be aware of that. Am I sensitive to what God is telling me? If God says that I'm healed, then all the other stuff that's trying to get me to think I'm not healed, I'm not gonna be sensitive to that. I'm not gonna allow that to control me. I'm gonna focus on what God says. God's word is truth. God does not lie. He says you're healed, you're healed. I get it that there's symptoms. I get it that there's bad reports. We all know that. But that doesn't mean that's what we focus on. We focus on what God says and only what he says and choose to declare that I will only be moved by what God says. We need to have pure faith that doesn't have anything contradictory counteracting or negating our faith. Negating means ineffective. We don't want our faith ineffective. We want to stay away from all of that so our faith that's on the inside of us is allowed to rise and do what it's supposed to do. That's pure faith. We deal more with faith then we choose to address unbelief. Where's it coming from? So Romans ten seventeen, I used that scripture earlier, but we all know it. It says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. So that's saying when you focus on the word, it's going to strengthen your faith. And it's going to come and it's going to rise up and it's going to meet with the word and faith will be strong. But now unbelief is going to come the same way. Unbelief comes when we focus our attention on everything but the word. We focus on what other people have to say. What are their experiences? What What are they telling you? They mean well, but they may have all sorts of stories to tell you. How about the Internet? We go on the Internet. That can scare you when you start reading symptoms and results and what could happen, and this might happen. And it's the extreme. So what are you, what are you focusing on when you're doing that? What are you focusing on when the doctor says, you know, this isn't looking good, I don't know if we can do anything else for you. I think I think we're done. If you focus on that, that will rob you of faith. It will rob you of God's promise for you. If you focus on that. We can focus on the wrong thing and that's what allows unbelief to rise up and get out of balance. You know, like that scale If if we're in God's word, faith is here. If we start focusing on the world and my symptoms and what everybody says and the test result says, that unbelief is up here and our faith is still there, but it's squelched, it's pushed down. It's not allowed to succeed and be what it should be as a believer. So we need to think on God. And what Jesus has done for us. And what the word says about our circumstance. The word is very, very, very important to you and I as a believer. If you want healing, you better find a scripture to stand on. If you want help with your finances, you better find a scripture to stand on. Because that's what we can put our faith into. And it will encourage our faith to grow, and then we're going to be able to receive what God has for us. But find a scripture. Don't just be, oh, pray for me, because that's not how faith is encouraged to rise up and to grow. We spend sometimes extra time in the Word, and that's awesome. Do it. Get up early, do it. Absolutely. But a lot of times what happens is you have your special chair, you have your cup of coffee, you have an awesome time with God. And you get up and you go about your day and you've just forgotten all of this right here. Because then your day goes on and all of a sudden you're getting words that are contrary to God. You're getting thoughts that are contrary to God. What are you doing with them? Do you remember what God shared with you, how he encouraged you, how he blessed you, the promises that he gave you? What's the scripture you're standing on? That's the time that you need that scripture to say, no, you know what, I'm not going to let those words affect me because this is what God says, whatever your scripture is. Because God's word has power, and it needs faith added with that power from you and me to succeed and to come forth for what we are believing God for. So be aware of your day, too, when you go. Yes, absolutely. Spend time with God, get encouraged, but take it with you. Don't forget about it, because that's what work does, that's what life does. It tries to overtake the joy of the Lord. It tries to overtake what God is trying to show you what he wants for you. So if we start getting our thoughts off in a direction, then we're going to start doubting. We're going to be fearful. We're going to wonder if God's going to come through for me. You know, I don't know. I don't know. What do I do? That's fear, and that's unbelief, and that's not of God. We have to have pure faith that isn't counterbalanced by anything else. Let's look at James 1, verse 6. This tells us why we shouldn't have anything that's going to take away from faith because there's consequences to that and it's usually not success and God wants us to be successful. James chapter 1 says, or verse 6 says, but let him ask in faith with no Doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all all of his ways. It causes us to be unstable. If we're not thinking the right thing, we're going to be down. We're going to be depressed. We're going to be fearful. We're going to wonder if God's word is true. Is this really going to happen in my life? We don't want to be double-minded. And the way to avoid that is get in the word. Keep that in your mind and in your heart. That scripture that God has told you, that has revealed to you, that means something to you, that every time you say it, it just excites you. That's revelation knowledge. That is the knowledge of knowing that you know that this is what God said for me. This is his best for me. We don't want to be tossed to and fro. That's why one day you're high in faith, The next day, you hear something that's contrary to what God says. It gets your focus on that, and then now you're down in unbelief. We need to avoid that. Because every time that happens, you're negating your faith. The faith that, that you have put into God's word to have that rise up on the inside of you. And then you start looking at the natural stuff. That's where unbelief comes from. And then you start, you're not sure if I can trust God to come through for me. God is faithful. God is faithful. He wants everything that he has for you and me. Everything good is for us. We're his children. He has good things. He's a good father. And he wants us to be blessed and not not worrying about anything because everything is taken care of. And we receive all of that by faith, including healing. Let's look at Abraham. He's a very good example of choosing to look beyond natural circumstances. Let's look at Romans 4, chap- or verse 18. It says, Who, contrary to hope, in hope, and that word for hope there is the confident expectation of something good, in hope he what? Believed. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. How many of you know 100-year-old men having children, fathering children? I don't. It's not, <laughs> it's not the norm. In the natural, that's, not, that's unheard of. We don't do that. So he had physical evidence to say, I'm 100 years old. You're still telling me that I'm going to have descendants, that I'm going to be the father of many nations. He could have said that. God, where were you when I was 30 or 40 or even 50? So in the natural mind, that's what it looks like. It's easy to fall into that. Very easy to fall into it. But it says that he didn't consider that. And he didn't even consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. She had never had children, ever. So not only has she never bore children, he's 100 years old. But God blesses them. How old was Sarah? 90-something, and he's 100. And they have a beautiful little boy. But that's what faith does. Faith pushes aside what looks impossible or what looks like it's not going to be able to happen or what if, And it focuses on what God says to you. God has said some things to every one of us through his word. And for our purposes tonight, God has said you're healed. God has said, I have taken all sickness and disease away from you. And that's your inheritance as a child of God. That's your inheritance as a child of God. That's what you need to focus on. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. One of the ways to keep strong in faith is to give God glory and praise. When you start exalting him, when you start elevating him, you start to realize that, hey, My God is up here, and there's nothing impossible for Him, and He's on the inside of me, and I have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And you know what? I am as Jesus is today. Now, I don't know about you, but my spirit's just jumping up here. I'm going to try to calm down. (laughs) But that's what God's Word does when it's real to you it gets you excited because you know that God is good and he's got good things for me, I can trust him. I know that there are circumstances that don't look like it's lining up, doesn't look like what I'm praying for. But don't focus on that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The Bible says if we do, we stay in perfect peace. Perfect peace. When you're not in perfect peace, you're not looking at Jesus, and I will guarantee you there will be fear, doubt, or unbelief present. Be aware of that. Get a hold of it. Get those thoughts captive. Cast them down in Jesus' name, but replace it with what God says. Don't let your heart be hardened. Let it be sensitive, more so than what the circumstances look like. Don't consider the negative. It's contrary to what you're believing, but don't consider it. Keep moving forward in faith, trusting your God. The thing that made Abraham strong in faith was the fact that he kept his mind stayed on God's promise. He kept his mind off of anything that would have been contrary to what God's promise was. That's how we stay strong in faith. And when we stay strong in faith, there's no room for unbelief. This is a big deal for us because we live in a world that lives by the five senses. And I know that we kind of talked about that a couple of weeks ago, but it's a big deal. Our five senses try to rule us in everything, and our five senses are in the natural. It is not spirit. Faith. Faith. Is for the spirit realm. Our five senses are not. It's for this physical world, yes. And they're good, and they're of God. But if you're trying to live by faith, they're not going to benefit you. They will only cause you to fear doubt and unbelief. Let's look at Hebrews 11.11. 11. Let's see what Sarah had to say. So it wasn't only Abraham, but Sarah said, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Do you judge God faithful? What what has he promised you? If you judge somebody faithful, you trust them. You put your trust in them. That what they say they're going to do, it's going to happen. That's how faith stays strong, when you have that understanding. How much God loves you. What Jesus has done for you. Who you are in Christ Jesus. So think on the right things. And it may be... Difficult When you first start trying to do this Because the enemy doesn't want you to be successful in faith Because then that means you're going to be Free of all of his junk And he's not going to be able to have his way with you He's not going to be able to torture you He's not going to have the fun that he likes to have with us Focus on the right thing Determine in your heart God's word is true and that's the only thing that I am going to look at. All this other stuff is, is temporary. God's word is eternal. And the eternal will change my temporary to be in perfect alignment with God's eternal word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If we don't consider thoughts of unbelief, we cannot be tempted by unbelief. It's not very profound, but it's truth. If you put unbelieving thoughts, you're going to be tempted to be in unbelief. If you put truth in God's word, you're going to be in faith. And that's where we need to be. Now I want to talk to you tonight about three kinds of unbelief that are um, very prevalent that we see in ministry a lot. And all of this is to be said, no condemnation, but to make us aware of the tactics of the enemy. Because he tries his best to sneak in and take away what God has already provided for us. And it's not really taking it away, but it's taking our understanding of it. Because it's already done. It's there for us to take, and we take it by faith. The first kind of unbelief is ignorance or lack of knowledge. There are some people that just don't know that in God's word, it says that he wants them well, that he's already healed them. There are just some people that just don't know that. And Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So somebody who doesn't understand healing and understand what God's promise is according to the word, they're not going to be able to receive because they don't have the understanding of that. Now, that's easy to correct. We can spend time with that person, show them in the word, show them what Jesus has done, and and I'll guarantee you, they take it. They take it and they are just so excited because now there's hope. There's hope where before they didn't know, there was no hope. The second kind of unbelief is wrong doctrine. Now this one's a little bit harder to help along because we've been taught the wrong things. We've been taught by man's traditions. It's not really what's in the word. It's just what people think how they interpret something. The Bible tells us that man's traditions, it lessens the power of God, exactly. So when we start listening to the wrong thing, then we have wrong thoughts. So if somebody says, you know what, God doesn't heal today, and there are churches that will tell you that, that God doesn't heal today, that was back when Jesus walked the earth. You're on your own today. That's not what the word says. There are churches, ministries, that'll tell you that God's trying to teach you something. That's not true. Or, you know what? God is sovereign. We just don't know what, he, what his will is. We just, you know, just kind of go around. Cindy taught last week about what the definition of sovereign is. And that doesn't mean God is in control. That doesn't mean that he's going to do everything and that you're just going to just be there. Whatever happens, happens. No, that's not truth. So none of these are truth, what I've shared, and there's other stuff too, but that kind of information will cause unbelief. You're not sure, you know, you hear things like, you know, God doesn't want you well because he's teaching you something. Well, then why are you trying to go to the doctors and get healed? If God is teaching you something, wouldn't you want to find out what he's teaching you? Doesn't that seem silly? But it's not truth. So when we get this stuff, it causes unbelief. So if somebody is willing to learn that would have a tender heart towards God, you can change that. You can show them, see, this is what God's word says. He does heal. Jesus healed all that came to him. He never told anybody, you know what? God's trying to teach you something. Right. So it's very easy to get in the word and dispel untruths so that people are able to receive the truth of the word. And then their faith is going to rise and be strong. Now... Um, Third kind of faith, sorry, (laughs) is natural, or I'm sorry, third kind of unbelief is natural unbelief. And this one's a biggie because it has to do with our five senses. This kind of unbelief comes from natural information that is contrary to God's word. So just like Abraham, he could have used, you know what, I'm 100 years old, I guess I've passed the possibility of receiving God's promise about me being a father of many nations, of having children. But that's not what he did. He chose to believe what God said, and he was able to see what God promised him. But these five senses can really mess with us. If you pray for your body, because there's pain in your body, if you pray for it, And it doesn't go, your flesh is going to tell you, see, it didn't work. Why? Because you still feel it. That's natural unbelief. Now, I've said this before and I'm going to say it again, but our five senses are important. God gave them to us and we need them in this physical realm. That is not unbelief. If we use our five senses in this world to drive a car, to take care of a baby, to cook dinner, whatever, that's not acting in unbelief when we use our five senses when they're used where they're supposed to be. But if I knew God has spoken something to me by his word or by his Holy Spirit and my physical senses are telling me something contrary, that's a problem. If it tells you it's not going to work. If your, your physical senses are going to tell you God's not going to come through for you, who do you think you are? God knows what kind of life you lived before you came to Jesus. You know what? You listen to that music too loud. You deserve to lose your hearing. That's what the enemy tries to make us focus on. Like it's our fault, but it's his fault. (laughs) He was the one that brought sin, sickness, destruction, all of that to this earth. But we have been redeemed, hallelujah, from that. We've been redeemed from that through Jesus. We do not have to put up with that stuff. Just because the world puts up with stuff does not mean that we have to. We do not. You don't. People tell you at 50, you, you're going to be wearing glasses. I, I've had people tell me that. Oh, gosh, I can't even remember. There was a gal that I worked with years ago. And she's like, you don't wear glasses. And I was probably in my 30s. I'm like, no. But I started speaking to my eyes. And I said that my eyes will see and that they will not dim. Well, wait till you get to 40. Everything changes when you get to 40. You're gonna be wearing glasses when you're forty. I said, no. I'm fifty-four. I do not wear contacts. (laughs) I do not wear glasses. But I've used faith in declaring the truth of God's word over my eyes. Now, natural world tells me I should. No. I'm a child of God, and I don't have to. Now, there's nothing wrong with wearing glasses. I'm not condemning anybody who's wearing glasses. But what I'm trying to say is we don't have to put up with the world and the world's way of receiving and doing things. We're free from that. Focus on God's word and what he says. So when we come across that, we need to be able to push back our five senses. Because one of my five senses is going to trip me up and cause me to unbelief, be in unbelief. I believe the reason today that people who know the word of God still are not able to see the word come to pass in their life is because they're more sensitive to their five senses than the spirit realm and what God says. And when we do that, fear, doubt, and unbelief is going to start becoming more prevalent. We're out of balance. If you're not in peace and joy, confident, then there's something that you're not thinking right, that you're focusing on, that isn't of God. That should be a red light going, wait, how come I'm not in peace right now? How come I'm in fear? How come I'm in fear? Fear isn't of God. God's perfect love casts out fear. So what's fear? What am I thinking wrong? What am I believing wrong? Let that be something that will go off in you, a red light or whatever, to say, how come I'm not walking in peace and joy and confidence in my God? Check it out. Check it out where you're at. And this is exactly what happened with the disciples about this little boy. We're going to read the um, rest of the account. It's Matthew 17, verse, starting with verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often in the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured that very hour. Now, the disciples at this point in time, I mean, they were around Jesus, they saw demons cast out. Jesus even gave them power and authority to do the same thing. So they were able to cast out demons. They saw people healed, and they prayed for people and were healed. So this wasn't new to them when they went or when this little boy was brought to them. To them. So this wasn't unusual that people brought the sick to the disciples as well. But the disciples focused on, like you heard, listen to these physical manifestations. He falls into the fire. He often falls in the water. He suffers severely. And like I said, one account in Mark, it says he foams in the mouth. Now, if you have every somebody acting out all of those when you're praying for them, if you're not careful, your five senses are going to say, this is not working. I have prayed for people. There's a lady specifically um, who was in a car accident. This was a couple years ago. And she messed up her spine really bad. She had surgery upon surgery. I mean, she was in pain big time. And we came, or she came for prayer, and you could tell the pain was just like all over. You could just see it in her face, and she's like doubled over. And so when I asked her, I said, level 1 to 10, what's your pain? She said, oh, at least an 8. She said, it's just, it's just unreal. So I prayed for her, took authority over pain, and I said, okay, how do you feel? And she goes, oh, it's worse. I said, okay, <laughs> 1 to 10, oh, 13. And she's just like holding her back. Now, if I would have f- followed that, I would have thought, oh, I better stop because Look what I did. I I made it go the other way, right? But I know, I've been around doing this long enough, I know that that's a tactic of the enemy. So I said, you know what? I'm going to pray for you again. I said, it's going to go. So I laid hands on her, took authority over it. When I'm done, I asked her, I said, so, how do you feel? She's like, oh, oh, it's better. I said, one to ten, ten being the worst. She said, oh, Maybe maybe a four? And I said, okay, I don't give up easy. I said, it's got to all go. <laughs> so I laid my hands on her again. We took authority over it, and every bit of that pain Hallelujah. was gone. Glory to God. But if I would have let my five senses rule me, I would have backed away. I would have stopped praying. I would have just hurried up and finished and got away. That's exactly what happened to the disciples. They got caught up in what he was displaying on the outside because it was going contrary to what they were praying for. That's why unbelief entered their heart and they weren't able to cast out that demon. Luke 4, I'm sorry, Luke 8, verse, well, Forty one isn't on the screen, but we're gonna set this up a little bit. This is another example. It's Jairus, Iris, who is the ruler of the temple, who had a twelve year old daughter that was sick. And he came to Jesus and he fell at Jesus' feet and he asked him to heal his twelve year old daughter. Well, in verse 43, as Jesus was, was on his way to this man's house to pray for this 12 year old little girl, here comes this woman with the issue of blood in verse 43. Now, that makes Jesus stop because she touched him. He felt the power go out of him. So now he's taking time with this woman. He's not going to Jairus' house, he stopped. And in verse 48, Jesus said, Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Now that woman had pure faith. She knew, despite all the odds, if you bleed for 12 years, you're not very strong. The culture in that day, a woman couldn't be in public when it was that time. And here she's been doing that for 12 years. But she chose to go straight forward because she heard about Jesus and that there was healing in her, in his wings, which was His, his robe. And she didn't let the circumstances stop her. She pushed forward because she knew that Jesus was her answer. That's pure faith. Pushing aside all the circumstances that tell you you can't, you shouldn't, it's not going to work. If you do it, what happens if it doesn't work? Mm She pushed her way through and got to Jesus. Now, in Luke 8 49, this is where we're at, I think. He says, While he was still speaking, Jesus was still speaking, someone came from Jairus' house and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. Can you imagine the despair? and the shock of Jairus. We were on our way, and this lady came and stopped Jesus. We could have been at my house right now, and Jesus could have healed her. There's a lot of stuff that's going to be going through this man's mind. But listen to our Jesus. He said in verse 50, but when Jesus heard it, I believe that he heard that other person saying that this daughter is dead, and he knew exactly the thoughts that Jairus was thinking of fear and unbelief because the word says he answered him. Jairus didn't say a word, but Jesus knew. And he said, do not be afraid, only believe and she will be made well. Now, because Jesus said that, that I believe is an example of how we can have faith and unbelief at the same time. Only believe is what Jesus told him. Now that's a big temptation. It's a crossing roads there. What am I going to do? It's a moment of choice. And there's if if you're human, you're gonna and try to live by faith and stand on God's word, you're gonna face moments like that. You will. But it's your choice. Do I push past these five senses and declare I believe what the word says? I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I know speaking the word of God and in the name of Jesus will change my circumstances and I'm not gonna back down or you can make the choice to start backing away what if this doesn't work I've been praying, I've been praying, people have been praying for me and I I went to the doctor's report I thought for sure I was gonna get a good doctor's report and it wasn't what you expected you're deflated, you're defeated you're wondering what am I doing wrong what do I need to do? You're looking at the wrong thing. God says you're healed. Now, we're not denying symptoms. We're not denying the report. We, I taught about this a couple weeks ago. But the truth is, God's word will change the facts. Amen. Amen. If we stay consistent... Focused on what Jesus has done for us, whatever it is. And when you're that confident in it, time doesn't matter. It's going to happen. If it's today, if it's tomorrow, if it's six months from now, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter. I know I'm healed. Yeah. And it's going to physically manifest in Jesus' name. So we have a choice just like J. Iris did, and he chose to believe, and his daughter was healed. She was alive. She was well. Praise God. So we don't have a faith problem, folks, because you're a believer and you have faith. But we got to feed it and encourage it to be strong and healthy. So stop feeding unbelief. Feed on the truth of God's word. Make a choice. God's word is true. And take what he says, because he's talking to you. You're his son. You're his daughter. He has given this to you. He wants you well. Because he loves you. And he sent Jesus for you. So we need to get single-minded, not double-minded. So we're not tossed to and fro. And when you're in the midst of a battle, an hour a day isn't enough to be in God's word. Every moment of every day that you could possibly spare should be somehow hearing God's word whether it's a good, solid teaching with earbuds in your ear, because the more that goes inside here, it's going to block all the negative stuff. Or it's you sitting down reading. There are scriptures that you could buy on CDs that you could just have them play even during the night. When Tom was battling, we put on healing scriptures CDs all night long. When it stopped, we woke up, we started it over, and and we continued on. We stayed in the Word for as long as we possibly could because that will take away any room for unbelieving thoughts to enter into your mind. It's a serious thing. When we choose to live by faith, you can't play. You can't be half in and half out. You're either all the way in, or you may as well just live the way that the world lives. You're going to die and go to heaven, so it doesn't matter either way, right? You're going to see Jesus. But if you're choosing to live by faith, choosing to live the abundant life that Jesus has given for each one of us, he paid a dear price for that, you have to be willing to stand strong because the enemy doesn't want you successful. But you know what? He doesn't have any power over you than what you allow him to have. He's nothing. And when you get a hold of that, (laughs) he's not going to be around for very long because he knows he doesn't have a chance to be successful. Stay strong. Stay in the word. That's our lifeline. Find your scriptures. Find them and stand on them. So that way you're focused And that's what your thoughts are going to be thinking. And then we can walk in confidence and in strong faith, not weak faith, so that we can receive everything that Jesus has. Amen? Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Father, we worship you right now, and we thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness and for your grace. Your grace is sufficient, Father, for all of our needs. There is nothing that Jesus hasn't already provided for through the cross and his resurrection. And he is in us and we are in him. And we are one with you today, Father, according to your word. We are a victorious people because Jesus won the victory. And that we do not have to settle for anything less than your word. Nothing, nothing less. Your word is your best for us. So I thank you that we are overcomers of unbelief. I thank you that this lie or this deception has been exposed tonight and how deceitful and harmful unbelief can be. And Father, with your help and with your word and with your Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we are overcomers over unbelief. And I thank you for that tonight. And I give you glory, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. He loves us so much. The Bible talks about a rest for God's people. And when we're able to push aside unbelief because God's word is so real to us, we're able to be in that rest.